Welcome to Piloting. I'm Renee. And I'm Melissa. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. How are you today, Melissa? I'm very excited today um, because we get to have another guest episode and I get the honors of introducing our guest. Um, But before we do that, Renee, how are you doing? (laughs) Great. Um, I'm also really excited to have another guest on. I actually just came from a hot yoga class before filming this. So I am energized and excited to learn from our guest because um, she has been doing a lot of piloting over the past few years. So I'm just excited to share her learnings and have everyone get to know her along with me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And a quick backstory um, before I share a little blurb about Michelle. Um, But I met Michelle Chu on Instagram, on dog Instagram in particular. And Michelle just happens to be one of those amazing, quote, internet friends. But one day we're going to meet in real life. Um, And Michelle Chu is the founder and CEO of Konos, which is a brand of sleek and functional dog training gear. And they have a mission to empower dog owners to build deeper relationships with their dogs, which I love. She was inspired by her own adopted dog, Kono, an American staffy mix who struggles with dog reactivity and whose legacy she is currently building. Michelle, you want to say hey to our guests and uh, share anything else that I might have missed there? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for our chat. And it's crazy to think that I've known you, Melissa, now for, what, three years? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It, which in, I feel like in dog Instagram land is pretty long. So yeah, we're, we're old true. friends by now. <laughs> Does it work like dog years or like each year is really seven exactly, years? Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Oh, 100%. I didn't even get that connection. Because <laughs> a lot of people drop off Instagram. Like it's, it's yeah. a full-time job to create content, even if it's just like your hobby or for fun. But Michelle, you've been – doing content, owning a business, doing all this for several years now. Yeah. And it's funny because we actually met, I think, around the launch of when I launched as Kono's Kitchen, which I'm sure we'll kind of dive in a bit more. Um, But I launched my brand, currently Kono's. I launched it as Kono's Kitchen back in July of 2020. And I was focused then more on nutrition. So I had been switching Kono to a raw diet. And that's something that is very new to a lot of people still and really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make it more accessible. And so um, I launched with freeze-dried raw treats. So it was kind of a way where they're pantry-safe treats where you can feed them as meal toppers or as training treats. And you don't have to switch to a completely fully raw meal. And uh, it was, you know, just kind of a way for people to get their foot in the door. And so I launched that in 2020 and it has been, it has been a journey since then, uh, which, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll go through that whole ride, but it has been a journey (laughs) since then. Michelle, can you kind of, I guess, take us back? Cause you said you launched this business in 2020. We all sort of associate 2020 with the big pandemic. What was your headspace in in getting ready to launch this brand? Like, why did you decide this wasn't just something you were going to do for Kono, your dog, but make it a business? And and what was the thought process about starting something in this year of uncertainty in 2020? Yeah, so I actually had started thinking about my own small business in 2018, 2019. So before the pandemic. 
And I was kind of bouncing between a couple of ideas. One was potentially a doggy daycare, which thank goodness I didn't launch because it would have been closed (laughs) Mm. during the pandemic. And then the other one was dog treats and specifically training treats because I do a lot of training with Kono every single day. And I wanted treats that were smaller, that wouldn't crumble, that were healthier and just single ingredient, one protein treats. And so that's kind of the direction I ended up going with. And I had always planned to launch in 2020. And so when the pandemic hit, it did work out because I was launching online. So as an e-commerce business, yeah. And again, it wasn't (laughs) planned, you know, it just happened to be, I was going to launch online and it worked out with the pandemic that not only were people buying more things online, but they were adopting more dogs and then buying things for their dogs online. So that kind of worked out in, in that way. Can you walk us through a little bit of how you continue to build community through your business um, and what you've learned thus far? I I wanted to do that from day one. So that has always been a big part of my business, my brand. But I mean, I hesitate to even say brand because it's not something where I intentionally was like, oh, in order to build this brand, I need to build my community. It's just mm. something that has always kind of inherently been a part of me. Mm. And I've, you know, I've always been a connector of people. And in college, I would organize dinners and I would connect my basketball friends with my college friends with my childhood mm. friends. And that's just always been a big part of who I am. And so when I launched Kono's Kitchen, currently Kono's, um, I knew that a big part of it was building a community for, I think at the time, and and even now, specifically people whose dogs struggle with reactivity, because that's something that Kono had struggled with when I first adopted him, and it made me feel really alone. And so I was lucky enough to find some community on Instagram that made me feel less alone. And so I knew that when I launched Kono's Kitchen, that's what I wanted to build is the safe space for people to come and to talk about what they were dealing with with their dogs and to support each other and share resources and to really just, you know, be there for one another and know that what they're going through, they're not alone in what they're going through, despite what we see on social media, you know, despite what we see with everyone else's perfect friendly dogs that mm-hmm. you know I wanted a place that was imperfect and for imperfect dog parents how do you build a community because i think many people when they're starting something new whether especially if it's a new business but even if it's just a new hobby or a new venture that community piece is challenging and especially for you you're selling products so having you know, a very passionate community is a big part of growing your customer base. How do you approach community building? That's a really good question. I think if I reflect on how I've built mine, which isn't, it's intentional in some ways and in unintentional in others. So I think the most important thing is just showing up as your most authentic self. Mm. And transparency. So authenticity and transparency, I think, are the two most important things that are not necessarily intentional. I mean, they are in the sense that I, when I'm sharing on my stories on Instagram, which is where I'm most active, I'm sharing about things that, you know, like we've had a bad day because 
we accidentally turned a corner and there was a dog there and Kona was going off. And, you know, those feelings that I haven't dealt with in a while, like they came back and I had to deal with me taking a deep breath and, you know, resetting. There's things like that that I will share on Instagram. And I think that when people see that, I've had a lot of people message me and thank me for sharing that because they didn't know that other people were going through that. And especially as a business owner, where a lot of businesses want to show the best, right? And like you put what's best out there, you put your highlight reel. Um, So I think those are two ways that are really important that are maybe not as intentional. Um, The intentional part of it, I think, is I hold a monthly meetup in my area once a month. Um, And then I also try to meet up with other small business owners when I can. So organizing those events and inviting people. And it's been it's been almost a year, I think, since I've held these meetups, and it hasn't grown a lot. But I do believe that with consistency, and like, if you keep continue to put yourself out there, I think that it will grow more as more people come and then they tell other people about it. And from a brand perspective, I think that's how I've grown my customer base is a lot of it has just been word of mouth because people come, they connect with the brand, and then they tell other people. That's really cool. I want to dig in a little bit earlier when you were talking about the digital part of the community building of people responding to you. Is that because you're using specific hashtags? Are you joining groups? I think so many people, they just don't even know, like, how do I make sure that someone sees my authentic video? Like, how are you even like finding the right people? That's a good question. I think in the beginning, I definitely used hashtags in my stories and in my posts. Recently, not as much. Um, I started with, well, I started with my dog's Instagram, right? So I had that, I had a bit of community there when I launched my business. So I had people where I could send them to my uh, my Instagram account and say, hey, I've launched this business. I'd love if you followed and supported me. Uh, but I think that another thing too is interacting with your community. So if there's mm-hmm. certain hashtags for me, like dog reactivity or, um, you know, reactive dogs unite, I think is another hashtag. Going I to hear about that hashtag. <laughs> I like yeah. that. I need that. <laughs> there's, a, there's quite a few. And so just going to those hashtags, seeing what people are posting and then commenting and interacting with them because it's not just a one-way street, right? Like you're not just posting and hoping people come. I think you mm-hmm. also have to go and and be involved in other people's lives and be interested in what they're doing or, you know, maybe I don't want to say offer advice because I don't particularly like unsolicited advice. (laughs) Um, But if somebody's asking for it, you know, sharing your experiences, I think is a better way to put it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you see somebody on Instagram posting about struggling with their dog, sharing a bit about what you've gone through with your dog, I think that is one way to build community as well. And for me as a business owner, like that's one way that I've gotten people to come to my business just by me going to them first and interacting with them. Were you doing this full time? How are you balancing building a community, fulfilling orders with products? Like how are you doing all of that at the beginning with a full time job or did you not have a full time job? She's superwoman, I- Renee. Didn't- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
I did actually have a full-time job. So I was working for a uh, HubSpot elite partner agency. And I had been at that agency. I think when I launched, I was there for about six years. And I was working as the director of technology. And so I was actually leading a global group of 12 web developers. So it was a very stressful and demanding job. I was constantly on my phone, constantly on Slack. And I launched in 2020. I did this for about a year. So lots of late nights and weekends working on it. When I launched, I was fortunate enough to have the capital to start with a manufacturer versus starting in-house and then scaling up, which may have been a mistake, which I'll get to in a bit. But I I basically go big or go home was my motto. And so I did this for a full year, worked with a manufacturer. I had a warehouse where my treats were stored. So when people were buying it online, it was getting shipped directly to them. So I wasn't shipping them myself. Um, In some cases I was, but for the most part, I wasn't. And it was tough. I mean, it was a lot of, like I said, really, really late nights. I'd stay up to like two or three, Um, even working on, even though I was working with a manufacturer, I had to do email marketing. I had to do sales. um, I had to do, you know, anything that would get me brand awareness And actually, that first year and a half was really tough because I didn't do any events because of COVID. Right. So I didn't do any pop-ups. I couldn't get out and get into my community and show the treats and sample them to dogs in my community. I had to just sell online. So it was a lot of content creation and and working to build the brand just online only. Were you also self-funded or did you fundraise that? Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a lot of investment. I completely bootstrapped. It was a (laughs) huge investment. Yeah. And you were other than your manufacturer. And I think you, I think you might've shared this with me, but you had partnered with somebody to help with the branding of Kono's Kitchen. Everything else you were pretty much doing solo. Yeah. So I met a, I met a designer and this was, I think also word of mouth. Uh, Because I worked at the marketing agency, I had designer friends. So Mm -hmm. they knew people who knew people who did product design, product uh, packaging design. And so I met with, um, I got linked up to Edwin um, Mendez. Sorry, that slipped my mind for a second. (laughs) Um, And he was really great to work with. So he worked with me for, I think, about Three to, three to five months on my logo, on my initial branding, so colors, fonts, um, kind of the look and feel of that bright, bold blobs everywhere, things like that. And so he worked with me on defining that initial brand kit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my brand has kind of evolved since then a little bit, but I think the core of it has stayed true to those roots and are still, it's still pretty recognizable from back then. So other than that, everything else has been me. I mean, sales, marketing, um, finance stuff, which I'm not I'm not great at, but I'm working on it. I'm impressed you got any sleep at all. You said you were only up till 2 a.m. I was like, are you sure you didn't just do all nights? That's so much work. It, it's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot of work. I mean, two or three. I don't sleep very much in general, so I probably sleep <sighs> five to six hours a night maybe. Oh, and it's it and was you just, just you. Yeah. 
And just on your story yesterday, I think, Michelle, you mentioned how it's really hard for you to rest. It is. (laughs) I literally just got um, ICL surgery, which is implantable columnar lens or implantable contact lens. So it's a type of corrective eye surgery, similar to LASIK. And I'm supposed to avoid screens. I'm supposed to avoid watching TV at least the first 24 hours. Mm. And that was really hard because I was like, do I just lie in bed? And, you know, like, do I take a nap? (laughs) Like, what do I do? But yeah, rest is hard when you're used to this type of like demanding work. Um, what motivated you to to do that? Because I know you know um, a lot of people may have given up by month five or might have not put in as much as hours as you have. Like, what motivated you to put that sort of time and commitment behind behind your brand while you're balancing full-time job, which is very hard in itself, especially in a leader, leadership position that you had? It's, it was definitely my mission. So my mission has always been about empowering dog owners to build deeper relationships with their dogs. And I think that that has that ripple effect of, you know, we see a lot of dogs being returned to shelters because of mm-hmm. behavioral issues that people just aren't equipped with. And I understand as somebody who adopted my dog, like I adopted him because he jumped up in the kennel and tried to lick my face and he was super cute. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like I didn't know anything else about him. And and it's tough because I think with shelter dogs or rescue dogs, even the breeds that they say those dogs are are not necessarily accurate. Mm -hmm. And I I have learned a lot more now about learning about breeds and learning about what breeds are best for your lifestyle. So in the beginning, I was very, very heavily like hashtag adopt don't shop. Whereas Mm -hmm. now I've definitely changed my stance. And I think that as long as it's responsible breeding, I don't think that is irresponsible to get a dog that fits your lifestyle. I think one could argue that there are there's there are irresponsible people who adopt that shouldn't be adopting. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a whole other conversation. But again, it kind of goes back to those nuances of nothing is ever black and white. You know, it's not adopt or sh- adopt, don't shop. I think it's adopt or shop based on what you're looking for, based on your lifestyle. And, you know, so I was one of those people who had no idea what I was doing. And within the first two weeks, and I've shared about this on my Instagram, I actually within the first two months, I Googled multiple times returning a dog to the shelter. And I at the time was it was I was ashamed to admit it. It's not something that I talked about back then. Mm -hmm. But I was so overwhelmed with Kono and he would break out of his crate. And, and, you know, like I've spoken to a lot of people. And I think I had it easy in some ways, like he wasn't that bad now that I was looking back on it. But at the time, you know, like when you're in it, you don't know what to do. Like I've never had a dog before on my own. I don't know what to do about his behavioral issues. He can't go to doggy daycare because there's been a few scuffles. And so I just did not know what to do. And so when I started this brand, my mission was to empower people with the information, the resources, the support that they needed in order to hopefully prevent that from happening, prevent dogs from being returned to shelters because people had the 
you know, the information that they needed to build this deeper relationship, the patience that they needed. Um, they knew, you know, where to go and what to look for. And so that's always been a really big driving force for my company. I like that a lot. I mean, I think a lot of businesses struggle with that in general, small or big. Just if there's no, if there's that central mission that they can be centered around and gravitate back towards, uh, their customers won't find it and their employees won't find it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that totally makes sense that that was your driver. And, you know, even you sharing that story about adopting Konos. Uh, fun fact, we actually have – and maybe I'll I'll link it back in the day when you had a podcast. I was – I had the honor of being a guest on that podcast and we talked a lot about um, adapting once you adopt. And so we talked a lot about Konos and Frank and my journey with adoption there um, and a little bit about work too since I was going through some stuff back then. But even you just opening up that doorway to conversation around Googling – what you Googled about returning a dog – I might have shared this on the podcast, but uh, those first t- couple weeks that I had Frank, um, I was very embarrassed to even share with anybody. But yeah, I had thoughts of bringing him back. I was like, what did I just do? Mm-hmm. Because I very much was an owner at the time who said, I'm going to adopt a dog and he's just going to fall into how my life is now. And I didn't really take the time and consideration to be like, no, I have to adapt a lot. Mm-hmm. Like he is also a living thing that is going through some stuff and he's been through a lot of foster homes and changed up because I adopted him at one. Um, So yeah, whenever you share something honest like that, I think it just, it, what you, it just happened now created this moment of like, Oh, okay. I can share too. Mm -hmm. And just like the ripple effect that that has um, with people and, and honoring their feelings and just being really open about it. So. Yeah. And we've, you were mentioning earlier on this episode that you launched as Kono's Kitchen, but now it's just Kono. So the brand is going through a bit of a, I don't want to call it a makeover, a shift. Can you talk about shift, the, yeah. sh- the change in the brand direction and what prompted that and, and what the future of Kono's is going to look like? Yeah. So like I said, when I launched, it was a focus on nutrition. And then with Kono's behavioral issues, I started diving deeper into training. So I started following a bunch of train trainers. Um, I would look up I would look up courses and take online courses that they were offering. I went to a couple seminars in person. And I found that it kind of just became a passion of mine. So it wasn't it started as a need. (laughs) And then it turned into a passion, something that I truly enjoyed and truly enjoyed doing with my dog, Kono. And so my brand sort of naturally evolved from a content standpoint into more of a training focus than nutrition. And it was still relevant in the sense that I was still using Kono's Kitchen treats in my training because they were high-value treats and they were easy to give. And I did launch initially with that um, intention of using them in my training. and. From a content perspective, you know, I was sharing more about what I'd learned and podcast episodes I was listening to and things like that, resources for my community. And so earlier this year, honestly, the biggest thing that prompted the pivot was finances. And that's something that, you know, not a lot of people talk about in the small business world. 
So I had invested my own money. Like I invested between 80 to 80 to 100,000 of my own money. Yeah. How was yeah. the return on investment? I mean, you don't have to give us specific Not- numbers. But- <laughs> well, I'm, I probably don't even know that off the top of my head, which is probably one of the problems. Uh, but I think my challenge was with monthly costs. I wasn't selling the treats fast enough in Mm -hmm. order to make more for the next round of treats. So my each round of treats would cost me anywhere between $35,000 to $65,000, which is huge. Yeah. And, you know, as somebody who had only been in business for three years, like that's a big investment. And so it got to the point earlier this year where I was going to either have to find investors or take out loans or figure out some other way because with that current inventory of treats, even if I sold them all, I wasn't going to have enough. And so that is really what prompted this pivot that I'm going through right now. Um, And so I started thinking about the future of my brand. And I knew that eventually, I had known for a while, even before this year, that I wanted to get into training gear. So whether that was a training pouch, which I've talked to Melissa about <laughs> at length, and just, you know, mm-hmm. the perfect training pouch, and, you know, other training gear, I knew that I wanted to get into that in addition to the treats. And so this was kind of the push that I needed to really think about what that would mean and what type of gear I would be offering. And where I landed was on rolled biothane leashes. So biothane is a type of um, coated webbing. And it's really, really strong. It's stronger than leather. It's got a break strength of about, depending on the width, but about 500 pounds. Oh, wow. Um, And yeah, (laughs) so it's super strong. It's also really easy to clean. You just wipe it down. It's waterproof. It's odor resistant. It's just a really light material that I really loved using in my training. And so that's something that I wanted to kind of bring to my community and to just bring to the masses. So I decided to make them. (laughs) So it's been, uh, it's been a whole new journey, kind of just pivoting towards that and pivoting towards, you know, handmade leashes. And then, you know, who knows from there. And as like a I'll just share as a customer and someone who's been following the Konos journey, it felt like a very organic pivot. But, you know, it it Mm -hmm. was more, I don't even know if it was, I mean, it is a pivot, but it felt more just like an expansion of what you were already building. And because you've had this like wealth of knowledge and you've taken the time to do a lot of research, research and share, um, those insights from training courses that you took and then sharing it with your community, it just sort of made sense, at least to me as like a friend and customer, that you would transition to building and doing more than than just treats. Um, I know you and I have talked ad nauseum in our DMs about, you know, hey, what's what you know, what kind of leggings would be the best sort of leggings for dog walking? What would uh, what's like your perfect fanny pack? And because we both love bags, we've talked a lot about that. What, what are the types of things that you need? Um, and so I feel like even though it came from very much a financial need um, on the on the cons- consumer side of things, it just felt like you just 
busted a wall open. And now there's like so much opportunity that you can you can do with Konos. Um, even though you've yeah invested a lot, and that's really wild that you but you haven't had to take out loans yet. I I believe to to mm-hmm. continue with your business. Yeah, I've been completely bootstrapped so far. And trying to stay bootstrapped as much as I can. It's just hard to wrap my head around the idea of losing equity in my company when it comes to investors. And it's also just a whole other game. Like I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to finding investors and like the contracts and do I need Mm. to get a lawyer and things like that. And it's just, I think with this pivot to what it allowed me to do was really scale back and start smaller. So Mm -hmm. in some ways, I feel like I went backwards, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I think sometimes it does feel disheartening that I am going in this direction and I'm not scaling up. But I think what I am very at peace about is the fact that I have more control of, you know, inventory and the costs and what designs I can make, which is really exciting. So, you know, exploring different types of leashes for types and then also colors for different collections is something that I've never done before. And I'm excited about that. Well, people love collections. It also sounds like from a business pivot standpoint, you, your new direction for Konos is still serving that core mission of connecting dog owners to dogs. I think sometimes businesses or individuals might find it harder to pivot from, we started with dog treats and now we're selling luxury hair care for humans. And it's like, how how do we connect those dots? I think your story is really fortunate that it does just expand that initial mission, but just tackling it through a different product and a different avenue. So so that's really yeah, exciting. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I think our mission has definitely stayed the same throughout all of this. Do you have any advice for other people who are thinking about piloting something new and starting something that is, you know, sort of inventory product driven, like any learnings from your experience that you would tell yourself three years ago or or someone who's starting today? Start small. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the biggest lesson I've learned so far is start small. Uh, And I learned that lesson super early on too. So in my first year, um, and I don't know, Melissa, if you remember this, but my first year I launched um, holiday treat boxes, my first Mm -hmm. holiday season. So I launched Kono's Kitchen in July. And then I, with a lot of e-commerce and retail, you basically have to start prepping for the holiday season around the summer. So I launched and then I immediately started looking for products for this holiday treat box. And it's always been really important to me to highlight and uplift other women of color owned businesses. So I looked for three other businesses. Um, One was Etitude, one was the Foggy Dog, and the other one was um, the Copper Wings Candle Company, which um, unfortunately, I think they recently shut their doors to move on to other endeavors. But I had this box that I wanted to launch for the holidays and and I was giving back to Wags and Walks, which is an organization here in LA that I've worked closely with, with each purchase of the box. And I launched with 500 of them and probably sold about 
25 to 30. And mm-hmm. I'd say that my mom probably bought at least three to five of them. (laughs) So that was a huge lesson. Like three years later, I still have inventory from that launch. Mm, I still have candles. I still have toys and I'm bringing them to pop-ups and and trying to sell them there too. But that was a big lesson for me. And I think that's what I'm trying to do with the leashes now is start smaller and, and figure out what that means when it comes to leash inventory and the launches. But really just give myself the space to grow more slowly and just the time to be able to grow more slowly. Um, and you, I think we touched on this a little bit, but while you first launched Kono's Kitchen, you had a full-time position. Um, and then through Kono's Kitchen, you left your full-time position to pursue Kono's Kitchen full-time. Um, and then now I believe just through us having conversations, you are also back to sort of balancing a full-time position with um, with your business now. Um, how has that experience been like now versus before? And um, have, you stri- have you striked some sort of balance or or is that not your experience thus far? I have – There's a lot to unpack there. (laughs) So I launched Kono's Kitchen. And then for the first year, I was working a full-time job. And then I quit my job. And that was probably the most liberating feeling I've ever Mm -hmm. had. I remember feeling just a sense of relief and feeling like I could breathe again. Mm -hmm. And now I just had so much freedom over my time. And I could do what I want when I wanted. And you know, that didn't mean that I was going to go and travel the world, which, you know, maybe I could have, I don't know about financially, but, you know, I, I could do whatever I want when I wanted. And that meant working on my business, because that's what I wanted to do. And so for the first year and a half, uh, I, I did that for about a year and a half. And I think something that's really important to mention, too, is I always thought that you had to, your business had to get to a place financially for you to be able to quit your job. But the reality of it is three years in, I still haven't paid myself, which is not the best advice. I would say definitely don't do what I did. But a lot of my money during that time has, it's always had to go back into the business because I've always had to save up enough for, you know, the next run of treats or for, marketing or the warehouse or whatever expenses I had. And so what I did when I quit my full-time job is I made sure that I had freelance things lined up. So I did some freelance uh, writing. I did some copywriting. I have a background as a web developer, but I didn't really want to build websites. So I built emails, email templates, little things here and there on Upwork and other freelance sites. So all of my expenses and everything, and I've got a mortgage and a car payment and a dog. (laughs) All of that. Dogs are expensive. They really are. (laughs) So I was paying for all of that, not through Kono's Kitchen, not through my business, but through um, a combination of savings as well as freelance income. And that's that's something that I've learned since then is actually the reality for a lot of business owners who are on their own. Mm-hmm. Like I have always been under the impression that small business owners who are doing this full time 
are paying themselves directly from like solely from their business. And sometimes that's the case. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the ones that I have known and talked to in my community are also like maybe they're working a part time job, maybe they're working freelance, but they're doing other things to supplement their income. And I think that's important to talk about because it kind of goes back to what we see on social media and that image of perfection and these perfect dogs. And, you know, that's kind of what I felt with my small business where I felt like, not that it was failing, but I felt like, you know, I just wasn't doing as well because I couldn't pay myself for my business. When the reality is a lot of other people are also not paying themselves completely Mm -hmm. from their business. Um, There's other sources of income. So I did that for a year and a half. And then unfortunately, earlier this year, started running out of savings, pretty much ran out of savings. Like I got to a very, very low place mentally and financially, where I was on the brink of having to borrow money from family in order to pay my mortgage. And so at that point, I was like, I need to find a job. Like there's nothing else I can do. Like I still can't figure out how to pay myself from this business. So I just need to find a job. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of the, um, that was kind of the driver for finding my current full-time job. And it's also at an agency, which is tough because agency Mm -hmm. life is not easy. (laughs) Um, I'm not managing people. Uh, I have gotten better about setting boundaries. And that's something I learned from the first time around. So when my day ends, it ends. And I don't check anything after that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have my work email on my phone. Like I don't check anything. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a better balance. But it's also just been so tough. Like I listened to your episode with um, Emily Grakowski on, you know, designing the life that you want. And that's what I want to do. You know, Mm -hmm. like I know the life that I want. I know that I don't want to work for anyone else ever again in my life. If I can, Mm -hmm. I just haven't figured out yet how to do that. But I think it sounds like you've just had so much courage in being able to start something in the first place. And when it wasn't working, not throw in the towel, but get creative and say, let me try another avenue. I think like you said, a lot of people, we don't hear the false starts stories. We only hear, this is the movie where they hit it big, or this is the overnight success product that took off. We don't hear about the five startups they launched before that went nowhere. We don't hear about all of the like one line roles they had on like law and order. And so I I do want to say thank you for for your just great transparency and honesty about your journey. Because I, I, I think people, people need to hear that. And it is reassuring for people who are already going through it to know that success doesn't, you're not denied success because the first try didn't work out the way you initially thought it would. Yeah, and, for sure. And there's a lot of folks, I'm including myself in this group of people who haven't even had the courage to try something on their own really and like stick with it and go for it and and find something that they're so passionate about that they're willing to 
make sacrifices. And I mean, in this conversation alone, you've shared your story and just it's it's super clear what you've had to sacrifice in order to bring this vision to life and in order to live this mission every day through your business. Um, and a lot of, yeah, a lot of people can't say that. And I think a lot of why we started piloting in the first place is because Renee and I wanted to sort of dig in deeper to what happens before the success story. I mean, I believe we said those lines in our in our trailer. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, we're so used to hearing the um, uh, Renee, I, I'm going to, I want you to say it because I don't want to take credit for it. You know, talking about the, how I built this. Oh yeah. It's like, we, <laughs> there's so many stories about like how I built this, like when it's already successful and you don't always get a, a deep look into how I am building this. Like here are the turns, mm-hmm. here's the moment when I had a manufacturer. And then when I scaled mm-hmm. back and decided to do it myself, or here's when I had a full-time job and then I didn't. And then I had to get another one just to like supplement. So mm-hmm. I, I just, I think it's great to hear that. I think that to me is some of the most motivating stuff to hear. It's like, oh, other people are trying and coming up with plan Bs, plan Cs, plan Ds. And and I, I really felt when you said earlier in the conversation about how it can be a little emotionally difficult to feel like you're moving in a different direction than you were, like whether it feels like taking a step back or, you know, a step to the side. And I think a lot of people um, just experience that where, yeah. you know, sometimes you do have to take a couple of steps back to get that running start to then do the jump. And it's just, I feel like in five years, we're going to talk to you and it's going to be like, oh, why was I even worried about those <laughs> step backs today? But you know, in the moment, you just don't see what that five-year horizon mm. looks like. So um, Konos has a, Konos, I'm manifesting this, Konos has a partnership with Chewy and like. <laughs> yeah, I love <laughs> that. Knows? Um, Honestly, the big brands. <laughs> my dream partnership would be with, with like Nike. That would be my dream yes. partnership. We're putting it out I in the world. I love that. Nike, anyone who's working with Nike, yeah. it works. Just email me. Email me. Let's get it. Doll do parents. It. all of Michelle's info in the show notes. <laughs> so you can definitely reach out. Michelle, can I ask you a bit of a personal question that I think yeah. um, is helpful? When you made the decision to work full time on Kono's Kitchen, were you partnered at that point or unpartnered? Because I think sometimes people factor in like having a significant other's income, regardless of how you split your finances in the home or not. So I was just curious if that's something you know, it's funny is no, yeah, I'm an open book. Um, What's so funny is the so I quit my I put in my two weeks notice. And I don't know if it was the same day or a couple days after, but pretty much immediately after I had my first date with my now partner. And so <laughs> we were on the date and, he, you know, you talk about what yeah. you do for work as you do. And I told them, I was like, I just put in my two weeks notice and I am quitting my full-time job and I'm going to work on my business. <laughs> so you made that decision as just a single lady saying like, I've got yeah. my savings. I've got my plan. I think yep. that is such a rock star move. I, I just <laughs> have to say. She's a badass. That's, that's, I mean, it's really cool if you do that with a partner too. Obviously, it's a big step regardless. But I, I think that's just so huge that you're like, no, it's headspace, just though. me. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I, I, the reason I asked, like I said, is that I have many friends who are starting things. And I think just anecdotally, the ones who feel more prepared to go it full time 
again, regardless of how you split your finances in your household, are the ones who know, well, I have a safety net for the mortgage or the rent Mm -hmm. in my partner. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're single, you just feel like I need an even bigger cushion because those finances are entirely managed by me. So rock on. Well, so so I was... I was raised by a badass single mom and you know, that's where I get it from where my sister gets it from. And she raised two of us on her own for most of our lives. And so I think growing up in that household and growing up with a mom like that, I always would have been very independent and always had this feeling of, I can't rely on other people, you know, for better, for worse. But just feeling like I can't rely on other people. I'm not going to wait for somebody to come along and be my safety net. Like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. Not regardless of, you know, my partner or his feelings, but just, you know, I don't want to have to rely on somebody. If I have somebody, it's a bonus. Like, it's it's nice. My mom says it's icing on the cake. No. <laughs> she, she said that in her – she said that during her wedding to her <laughs> second husband. <laughs> that he was icing on the cake and my sister and I looked at each other like <laughs> – Iconic wedding speech. <laughs> like, I didn't need you, yeah. but it's nice. You're a nice to have, not yeah. a need to have. Actually, I actually find that, like, really sexy, though. When someone's like, I don't need you, but I want you. I, to me, that's, yeah, that's sure. exactly, like, I think where the sweet spot is. No, I agree. And you're <laughs> um, – Maybe your sister has to be, I guess, on our podcast too, because uh, your mom raised two entrepreneurs. Like your mm-hmm. sister also has her own business that she's been um, that she's been working on, and and she launched a few years ago too. She did. So she launched in Australia because she was living in Australia for four or five years. Um, so and I lived in Beijing for five years. So both of us were on different continents for a very oh long time. <laughs> Uh, And while she was there, she launched Estamos, which is a sugar-free margarita mix that's so delicious. And she launched it in Australia, but has she's still working on um, bringing that. I don't know how much I'm supposed to say. She's you don't have to share too much. She's just working. She's an entrepreneur. (laughs) She's an entrepreneur, but the brand is Estamos, which I I love that too. Mm -hmm. Um, Just highlighting that your mom raised like two badass women yeah, <laughs> who have their own she businesses. Did. <laughs> um, like something was in the water. <laughs> Michelle, where can people buy the leashes now or is that launching soon? Where can people get um, those products for Konos? We're launching very, very soon. So we're launching online at shopkonos.com, which I'm sure you'll put in the show notes. Of course. And that's going to be launching officially on August 31st. So that's where people can go and get the leashes. I've got 12 variations over two different styles mm. and three mm. colors each. So Ooh. I'm excited. It's been it's been fun just kind of figuring out, you know, what I wanted to launch with this time and then, mm-hmm. you know, starting to think about the holiday collection and what I want for that and even just being able to make something with my hands and get into this maker era, as I'm calling it. Yeah. And, you know, cr- be crafty, which <laughs> I, I don't it. typically think of myself as. But yeah, this is this is my maker era. <laughs> Just adding another hat to your collection. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing them all the time. Um, 
Okay, so you mentioned Shopkonos. Where else can uh, shopkonos.com mm-hmm. and you're very active on Instagram. So yeah, people so can follow you on Instagram as well. Instagram is also at shopkonos. So the brand is Konos, but that was taken. So the Instagram handle and website are shopkonos. Um, my personal email, I mean, I, it's, it's, I get all the emails, but my email is michelle at shopkonos.com. If you want to reach me via email, I think those are probably the three main places to find me. DM me on Instagram. I respond to all of them because again, it's just me. Um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. where you'll find me. We'll drop all of those links in the show notes, guys, so that you can stock up on your Konos gear or just connect with Michelle to learn more about the company, her journey, what's coming next for the brand, and just stay connected in her really cool community. So thanks, Michelle. I I feel like this has been such a great conversation. Uh, And again, I think I've said this like three times, but really (laughs) appreciate, you know, your honesty and transparency that like we love hearing those those kinds of stories and we're really excited to see how Konos grows and transforms in this in this new chapter. Thank you. And I really appreciate you both. Like thank you for just sharing my story and also sharing other people's stories and bringing these to light, you know, these not how I built this from a success <laughs> standpoint, but in the in the thick of it. I think that is really important for people to hear. So thank you ladies for sharing this. Oh, and we've um we're, we've called it. I don't know if how much we I think we've shared a little bit on the pod about what we call it, but this messy middle, um, this like sticky space of yeah, what you're talking about there that that moment before success. And I'm just so thankful that I've met you, um, especially as you know a dog mom, a dog reactive mom, and everything that you've done on the dogstagram and how you're continuing to evolve and just be this like pioneer and and not just the dog space, but just the business space, um, teaching us all, all the things <laughs> and doing all the research so we don't have to. Um, so <laughs> I'm excited for these leashes. I'm sure Frank is going to be very excited about it. <laughs> Probably me, me more so than my actual doc, but yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. Oh, but before we go, um, we're going to do our gold star and manifestation segment. So We'll take you off the hot seat because you have been in the hot seat um, for this whole time. And Renee and I can go first to share all, our gold star. Um, Renee, do you want to take the mic first? Sure. Um, so we're recording this in early August, but this episode isn't going to come out until later in August. But August is Black Business Month. So for my gold star, I did want to shout out a couple uh, Black-owned businesses that I love that are a little smaller. Similar to you, Michelle, we really try to shout out businesses of all sizes, particularly small businesses, particularly owned by women, people of color, LGBTQ, etc. Diversity is a big thing for us that we try to live that value. So the two companies I want to shout out are both black owned and have a tie to the like Raleigh-Durham triangle area of North Carolina, which is where Melissa and I met each other. So I thought I would just shout those out. The first one is Trade Street Jam Company. So Trade Street Ooh. Jam Co., I actually met their founder, Ashley, in New York City when I was living there. 
through a random, I don't even know how this happened, but I ended up in this situation where chefs allowed you to have dinner in their homes in these small intimate gatherings. And it was at Ashley's home. It was like 10 of us. I don't even know how I found this, but she cooked us a three course meal. She's a trained chef with her homemade jams. They're 100% vegan. They're super delicious in every course. Now I'm from Jamaica. I didn't grow up on like PB and J's, like jellies, jams are not typically something that we just ate, but through eating it in Ashley's home, I was like, oh, you can use jam in like a cocktail mixer. You can use it as part of a rub or a marinade on meats, um, in like more savory dishes. You can use it in desserts. And so it just showcased the versatility of the jams. They're beautiful, um, black woman owned, really delicious. Like I said, 100% vegan, good ingredients, shout them out. And then the second one is Bright Black Candles. They are a black family owned candle company out of like the Durham area. Um, They pay tribute in their candles to black greatness through different scented products. I was introduced to them because my friend Sarah, who I know listens, hi, Sarah, she (laughs) gave me a gift from them for my birthday once because she was like, I just thought of you. It was black owned. It's from like Raleigh, Durham area. And there was a candle scent called Kingston, Jamaica, which is where I'm from. So it was just like the most thoughtful gift. And I've since gone on to buy some of their other scents. And they're just really beautiful. If you're a candle person, add it to your collection. So Trade Street Jam Co. and Bright Black Candles. Ooh, okay. I have to check out both of those. I'm in Raleigh now, so I have to see. <laughs> they're good. They're <laughs> it just good. makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, mine's a large, uh, a, a bigger brand, um, and I mentioned them before already, but I'm actually going to give my gold star this week to Duolingo. Um, yeah. And an honorary gold star and shout out to anyone who is learning a new skill, particularly learning a new language. I think it takes like a certain kind of patience and practice with yourself to carve out the time to learn a new language and just to be open to it and not sort of expect that everyone's just going to know one language or know English, for example. Um, but yeah, I've been on a Duolingo kick. Um, Renee mentioned this earlier that this podcast is actually going to be launched a little bit um, later in the month, but right now I'm on a 24-day streak. So hopefully by the time this podcast is live, I have hit my 30-day mark. Um, but it, I don't know. It's just like a really good app to learn a language. Just like the gamification of everything, the visualization of making sure you sort of keep up with your streak. Um, the material is really good. Like even though I feel like I – and maybe I'm an A2, B1 level Spanish person. Maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit. But um, I started from like I started from the beginning for my Spanish journey on Duolingo. And I've, I'm so glad I did that because of how much I've continued to learn. Um, and then there's like competitions for your badges or whatever. And I'm like a sucker for a little bit of competition. And right now I'm in a huge competition for first place with some person named Cesar and his, his username is Cesar Mexico. So I know he's <laughs> – and he's like learning Chinese. Like nice. how cool is that? Um, but anyways, we keep like fighting each other for first place. Like I'll wake up in the morning and he has like 2,000 more XP and I'm like, I'm going to get you, Cesar. So the competition ends tonight. So let's just hope that I do it and I pull through. But because of that, it's like given me just like a lot of energy <laughs> to continue to learn Spanish. 
Um, and there's so many other Spanish language apps out there. So I am personally going to try to experiment with more because Spanish is not going to be the only language I want to learn. Um, Tagalog, which is, you know, Filipino, um, is on my list. And so is Japanese. So I'll keep you updated on how that goes. But yeah, we're big That's fans of Duolingo here. I use it also. <laughs> big fan. Yes. That's awesome. Um, Michelle, what's your gold star? So my gold star, I'm going to – can I give it to multiple people? Oh, yeah. Of course. Okay. No rules. <laughs> None. <laughs> so I talked – I feel like I talked a lot about, you know, being a solopreneur and doing all the sales, marketing, finance, doing everything myself. And while that is true, I've also I really want to shout out my reps. So I have two seasons of reps, um, and they are six reps each. So one of them I think was last fall, and then I found another season of reps um, who are kind. They're kind of like brand ambassadors. So they've been working with me the past four four or five months, and I especially want to shout out and give my gold stars to my season two reps because. When they started their term, they were reps for the treats. And at that time, it was really like at the beginning of their term or a couple, maybe a couple months in that I started this pivot. And so they've really been rock stars about pivoting with me and also just being a really great sounding board when I've talked about the length of the leashes, the colors and all these questions that I had and you know, they were just really supportive. And I feel like I couldn't have done this. I couldn't have gotten here without them. Um, and also, you know, without my season one reps too, and all that they did for me last fall. So I definitely want to give my gold stars to them and just thank them and appreciate them for all their support. Oh, um, is there, are there, do we want to drop their handles in our show notes as well? You can give us, give us that. Cause that is amazing. I, love when I see on dog Instagram, like it's just a very supportive community in there. Like shout out to all the dog parents who do all, like who create all the content for, for the brands. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Content creation. It's, it's not easy. And like that's you said, a full-time job. even if you're a solopreneur, you do get some help and people are like supporting you. So we're excited to drop their handles in there, Michelle. Um, it's really nice of you to shout <laughs> them out. Yeah, of course. I'll send those over. Thanks. Um, and what are we manifesting this week? I'll go first since, Renee, I know I, <laughs> you went first. Um, so, again, I think this is, like, on brand for me. Again, I don't know where this is from. I saw it on an Instagram reel. I'm a broken record. But it just really spoke to me and, and stopped me in my tracks. And um, if I can find the Instagram reel link, I'll share it. But it's it's okay to draw a line and close the chapter. It's okay to leave it behind and wish it the best. And then it's like signed as growth. Um, and I just think that's a, a good reminder for any areas of your life that sometimes endings are okay. Um, and, you know, whether it's a job, whether it's a, a relationship with somebody, whether it's a project, um, you know, it, it's okay sometimes to sort of leave it in the past. Um, and yeah, it, it is growth. And that one stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, I really like that one. That's great. I can go next. Uh, so my manifestation for this week is a quote from Dr. Will Cole. He is one of the doctors who kind of floats around the different health and wellness podcasts and space that I hang out in. And it's 
be disciplined about what you respond and react to. Not everyone or everything deserves your time, energy, and attention. Stay in your light. And mm. that's really all I have to – I don't have anything to add. I think that quote kind of says it all. <laughs> I thought you were about to say stay in your lane. No. But you said stay in your light. Stay in your light. And I'm like – Don't. We're talking about dog reactivity. Too. We're talking about – I it's just, love that. Be disciplined. Not everyone needs to get you riled up. Just stay in your light. <sighs> that's a deep breath <laughs> quote. Love that. <laughs> Michelle, what are you manifesting this week? I have had a lot of stress lately, uh, mostly during the day. But, you know, with the leash launch coming up, there's and there's just so much to do. Like having I did a video shoot last week. I'm doing a photo shoot tomorrow, um, promoting it, creating emails for it, and then just everything else set. Uh, have going on. So there's been a lot of stress. And my manifestation is not a quote necessarily. I think it's just manifesting, finding moments of peace throughout my day. And, you know, being able to recognize that and sit in it, which again, we've talked about is something that I'm not very good at. But just being able to sit in that and and enjoy it, whether that's, you know, taking a break and going for some coffee or taking Kono to an empty parking lot and training with him, which for me is a form of self-care. And, you know, it took a while to recognize that just because it sounds like work and it sounds like something that I'm doing for him, which I am, but I recognized earlier this year that training with him is also something that I do for me. And so, you know, kind of just leaning into that and and taking more of those moments this week. I'm manifesting that for you too. I know this is I don't even I can't even comprehend the amount of stuff that you, you're having to do to to make this launch successful. Um, but just knowing you and your character and what you bring to the table, like you've got so much to bring to this world, and I can't wait for. Konos to continue to evolve for you to con- continue to build this brand and this community. Um, and I'm really excited for you. And yeah, I hope you find those moments of peace, especially with Kono, as you continue to build his legacy, which I love. <laughs> Thank um, you. Sorry, Frank. I don't know how I'm building your legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a collaboration with Konos. Who knows? <laughs> hey, you never know. Never know what'll happen. Well, yeah, um, maybe. One last thing I did want to mention that I forgot mm-hmm. to mention earlier is I do have a Discord, which is where, um, and I'll send you the link, but that's a place for my community members to come and connect with each other. Because Instagram, like you can comment on people's stuff, but you can't, it's harder to directly connect. So I created a Discord earlier this year where people can come and I'll share, I share like behind the scenes stuff of things that are going on with my business and then. We talk about like dog sports and things that people have going on. Um, Sometimes people ask questions around, you know, like separation anxiety or different things that they're going through. So that's also been uh, a building block that I'm I'm working on growing that community as well. Ooh, heck yes! Excited to drop that in the show notes so people can get that real time insight into what's going on with you and the business. Mm-hmm. And I love that, just like being able to talk to the other owners as well. Because yeah, it's really difficult on Instagram to do that. You're like on this hardcore comment thread. 
Yeah. Um, well, thank you again for being here, for sharing your story and just being really open about everything. Um, wishing you the best with Konos. Always you're always here to support you, always a cheerleader. And I'm excited for our listeners to get to know you better and follow your journey, your piloting journey. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Um, thank you so oh. much, Michelle. And one more thing before we leave, uh, just a quick reminder for our book club um, folks who like to listen to those episodes. We have an episode being released on September 6th, and this will be our fourth book club book. And it's by Marie Forleo, and it's Everything is Figureoutable. Um, so this is a, a really exciting one, I, I think. I think a lot of us know or have heard of Marie Folio. So I'm excited to dig in and, and actually read the book. So. Thank you all for being here. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.